welcome to the Fro and the Flow presented by Burbs Entertainment. I am your co-host, Ralph Compiano, joined as always by my other co-host, weighing in at 295 pounds, standing at six foot seven, <laughs> the Martian, Mr. Stay Sparkin, coming through and going harder than James Arden. Bitch, I'm in Brooklyn and I'm getting these nets. I'm getting these checks. Oh, what's popping? What's popping? Chilling, ready to watch James Harden in Brooklyn a lot. I think it's going to be a real fun time. We were the prophets that said that Katie and Kyrie were going to link in Brooklyn like seven or eight months before it happened. We called that in like like February. I feel like if you digged into our archives, at some point inside of it, we're like, yeah, you know what? Just throw James Harden on it too. So I'm going to say that we were the very first ones to ever say that these three would link up. And we We did. We called it. Like two years in advance. We called KD and Kyrie before that was even like a theory. A rumor, yeah. I think we called that pre-All-Star game video. We did. It was um, it was before that, and we also wanted D'Angelo to still be on the team, which didn't work out because we're loading profits. Uh, we are D'Angelo's disciples. But I swear, if, if you dug through, I guarantee that we say, yeah, you know what? Harden's going to be on the team too. And obviously, we're just fucking around. But mm-hmm. there's some truth to that, you know. Behind every joke, there's a little bit of truth. I mean, I I think we would both agree that it's the most talented trio ever assembled in NBA history. I don't think it's even close, personally. Um, I think, you know, if you're going to compare them to other ones, if you look at Miami, LeBron and D-Wade did a lot of the same things really, really well. And then Bosch did different things really well. Like, he was a pretty good rebounder, a good low pull scorer and then could extend his range for a big man. Um, who are some other big threes? Uh, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen. Ray Allen is strictly a shooter. He's basically like an enhanced Clay Thompson at that time, uh, not as good of a defender. Paul Pierce is your traditional isolation scorer, and then Kevin Garnett is your macho man, your leader, your KJ. anchor on defense. KG in the shop um, with a great mid-range game. Um, obviously, you know, all, three all-world talents, but these three guys – they have so many different ways that they can attack you. I've been listening to a lot of um, just sports commentary recently. And the one thing that everybody always says is be physical at the point of attack, regardless of what sport it is, basketball or football. They always say that just like keep tabs of how many times you hear that. These guys are not like too physical at the point of attack. They just blow by you at the point of attack. They get around you. They don't know the angles. Um, for me personally, I would think you would agree they are six of the most talented pure scorers I've ever watched play basketball alongside Kobe, LeBron, and then whoever else you want to throw in that mix. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially KD and Harden, like they're two of the greatest scorers I've ever witnessed ever. Like it's unreal what they can do and with their abilities and putting a basketball into the rim. Like it's hard to think of guys who do it better. I think it's asinine to have Kevin Durant outside your top 10 all the time. I think it's just a stupid thing. Like yeah, I, I probably agree. have a personally, I have him in my top five just because I've watched him play basketball and his pinnacle is damn near LeBron's. So, I mean, that's a pretty great thing to say about another player. <laughs> like, um, so I guess like when we boil down Brooklyn, those three guys are going to give you enough. Like, they just are. I think they'll be able to blend together well enough. They all like each other, which is good. They have the USA roots. They've all kind of come up relatively similar at the same time. 
Um, it's just about the depth, I guess. But I still yeah. like their, their closing five. Like, if you have those three guys, Joe Harris and DeAndre Jordan, I know DeAndre Jordan catches a lot of heat recently, but whenever I watched him, like, I watched him play the Knicks the other night, and he was just dogging on Mitchell Robinson. Like, he caught two lobs on him. He was blocking shots, setting good screens. He's just a good physical defensive anchor. So I'm not as out on DeAndre Jordan as most people are. I also wasn't as in on Jared Allen despite his luscious throw. But um, yeah. I mean, you got Joe Harris to spread the floor, and he plays hard defense. I like their closing five just as much as anybody else's. Shamit can wet threes off the bench. like Absolutely. And he hasn't been as good this year, but, I mean, he's kind of one of those guys that's hot or cold, and when he's hot, it's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just – yeah, there's – there's, if you want to talk about, like, bench depth and stuff, like, there's definitely deeper teams in the league, but those teams also don't have, like, these three – insane all-star caliber players who have been amongst the in the conversations of the best at their you know specific positions for pretty much our entire tenure as NBA fans like it's wild that they're all on the same team like I can't it's like hard to believe like if you would have gone back like five years ago and just would have been like yeah so Kyrie KD and James Harden are on the Nets LeBron and Anthony Davis are on the Lakers (laughs) Um, I I don't know if I would believe you. It just seems too crazy. Like the NBA is like this. We always talk about how it's this reality show. Like, it seems like they've gotten like season twelve on their CW run, and they're like, let's just really blow shit up. <laughs> well, it's funny because like when I think about like what it takes to beat LeBron, it's gonna take two of the top five players in the NBA. So I my top five or our top five is LeBron. KD, AD, Giannis, and probably Harden. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- throw Steph, Jokic, and beat all those guys in the mix if you want to. And then not just two of the top five, but three of the top 11 or 12. So Clay and Steph and KD were in the top five, and then Clay was in the top 11 or 12. Now Kyrie's Luka. in the top 11 or 12. Correct. Um, so it takes a lot to beat him, which is amazing. But yeah, I don't know if you got to read my article, but I was basically saying that like these these teams wouldn't be composed in 2K unless you turn on the trade override rule. Yeah, like that's they all have the five star trade value. Every single one of them. Maybe Kyrie's at four and a half or four, but KD, AD, LeBron, and Harden, yeah, they're five stars. They're five. Oh, stars you got sure. you got. Me and Rob did a little draft yesterday. I got to tell you this fantasy draft lineup I had: uh, Dame, Rip Hamilton, who eventually got subbed out for Iggy, Jason Tatum. Dwight Howard and Shaq. How were you with Jason? Are you okay with Jason in that game? I was playing 20, so the shot meter was fucking me up a little bit, but he played pretty well. He's like my second leading scorer. Dwight Howard was doing all the work. It's a little 29 and 15. Were you guys, did you guys know fatigue it? Yeah. Frauds. You got to stack that bench. If you did an all time draft, you got to stack bench. Nah, you like just trying to do a quick one. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, all right. So let's let's go into who we think can contend with Brooklyn in the East, and we know who can. It's Philadelphia, Milwaukee. Um, you can consider Boston and Indiana up there as well. But let's actually look at how these teams stack up against them. So I think the biggest threat right now is Milwaukee. I actually think that people have talked about them being the losers of this trade. I don't think there's much as big of losers as everybody thinks, because I think they match up really well with this team. I think that if you can put 
Giannis on KD, which he might struggle with a little bit, but I think he can do a good enough job of holding KD to about 25 or so, which is what you need in the playoffs. Middleton on Harden and then Drew Holiday on Kyrie. That's like probably the best three guys that you can throw at those three. Do you agree or do you disagree? I definitely agree from like a defensive standpoint. Yeah, like, I mean, everyone talks about how good of a defender Drew Holiday is. I mean, so many players have said that he's one of the hardest players to be defended by. Chris Middleton's a great two-way player, and then Giannis is coming off Defensive Player of the Year. Um, And he's so big, you know? So, like, obviously KD can cook anybody, but you throw somebody like Giannis on him who's just, like, a seven-footer with, like, a 12-foot wingspan, it's going to be harder for sure. Um, Yeah, it's not often that KD runs into somebody with the same length as him. Right. But I'm – but then, you know, again, if one of those guys gets high, you kind of start drawing a double team. And then you have two other otherworldly scorers at your disposal to just kick it out to. So I just right at right now, as I've currently constructed, like I just it's hard for me to pick an Eastern Conference team that I think is going to beat them. Obviously, we have to see them, how they're going to work out and how they're going to mesh and but. I think a lot of that's just like media people being like, oh, they're not going to work out because there's three superstars or whatever. I think it's just going to like these guys know each other. They know this is obviously been in the works for a while. I don't think it's going to be a problem. It's just with that talent, like everyone said about the Lakers last year that LeBron and AD didn't have a deep enough bench and look what happened. So that was cap though. They didn't know how good KCP was. Um, but the I guess Jersey. my my thing with Milwaukee is that Middleton is the best player on the floor for them. How does that make you feel? I mean, in the playoffs, it's hard to dispute that. Yeah, because as you know, I had money on that Miami-Milwaukee series. I had Miami winning that series, and I never was scared, to be honest. I was only ever scared of Middleton. And I think that has to say something. Um, I don't know how much it says because it's me and I'm dumb and I put my money on it, but I was never scared to be honest, but defensively I was like, somebody get the ball the fuck away from him. So I like the way that they match up. And the other thing is on the flip side of the ball, you know, we know that Brooklyn's going to score. It's just whether or not that I think Harden's a better defender than everybody. I agree to be, but Kyrie, I don't, I think Kyrie's maybe a worse defender than everybody projects onto him. I, don't For think sure. that he can guard any of those guys. Um, maybe Dante DiVincenzo if they want to hide him or something like that. But um, <laughs> but as far as like those three are stacked up, and then Milwaukee has a deeper bench. Like I like the additions of Bryn Forbes. Uh, I do like DiVincenzo, despite the joke that I just made. Um, I'm not a big fan of Avi Portis. He has not looked good every time I've watched them play. He's looked actually pretty bad. Dude, Bobby um, Portis is a beast. <laughs> he has looked really bad when I've watched him play. Um, I like Brooke enough. Uh, I just I like Milwaukee's depth a little bit more. Um, and I actually like what, Brooklyn's a little bit. So What about Uncle Jeff on the Nets? You know Uncle Jeff Green is good for either 22-8 and eight or 4-1. and one. It's no in between. Uncle Jeff Green is forever the X Factor. That's what he is. He's a walking X Factor. If he hoops, you win. If he doesn't hoop, you're probably not going to win. And Jeff that's Green, just if he's Jeff, on your roster. Jeff Green's been like 32 since I was in seventh grade. Yep. 
He doesn't age. He's immortal. Um, and he's just right, kind of so like always on like one of these contenders. <laughs> like all of a sudden you're like 75% through an NBA season and you're watching a game on like a Thursday night and Jeff Green subs in. And you're like, really? I didn't know he was yeah. here. I had no idea he was from Brooklyn until, yeah, they played Golden State that first game. <laughs> when and did I'm you like, get oh, here? Uncle Jeff. Uncle Jeff just showed up to the party, brought some potato salad. And the potato salad is either going to be amazing. It's going to be like a revolutionary potato salad or it's going to be like, you know, pretty shitty. To me, like, Did you buy this last week and forget to get something for the party and you just kind of took it out of your <laughs> fridge? <laughs> Let's move on to Philly before we go 20 minutes on Jeff Green. MVP um, Joel Embiid. MVP Joel Embiid. So he's averaging 25, 11 and a half, three assists, both uh, 1.5 in steals and blocks, three turnovers, uh, which is fine. Like he's your center and he's uh, – a playmaker, so I haven't we'll checked. Turnovers. I haven't checked in the last few days, but last I saw, he was only behind Jokic for PER. Okay, let me. Jokic check was like here. Jokic was like like thirty, and Embiid was like twenty nine point five. Okay, his his shooting sports right now are fifty four, thirty nine point five, and eighty five. How many free throws is he getting a game? Nine. Hell yeah. Dude, he's also, he's awesome. such a beast. He's amazing. I love Embiid when he tries, dude. He's been everything we've ever wanted from him. We've talked about him so many different times, and it's all about as long as he can quit going to Chick-fil-A so much and just swallow milkshakes whole, that fat fucking fuck, and just get his ass on the block and be, you know, 95% of Shaq. That's all we've ever asked for. Mm-hmm. We've never like been like, please, Joel, shoot more threes. I need you to be a stretch five. I need you to be Chris Stapps and a unicorn. I'm like, get your ass on the block. Go put up a baby hook and then draw fouls. That's all I ever knocking bodies. Me. And that's what he's doing right now. Okay, let me get these player efficiency ratings up for you. Go ahead, though. Uh, talk, Yeah, talk your truth for a little bit on Joel because we've watched him since he was at Kansas and like just witnessing him grow has been so cool. I mean, it was just like such a wait for him to get into the league. And when he did, he was killing it right away. I mean, and it's so much more impressive because he hasn't, he doesn't have that much basketball experience, like going into his rookie year. Like he only played like some high school, some college. He didn't play that long in college and he was hurt for so long. So he's just kind of being around this NBA team, gaining experience. Then his rookie year, he only plays like 30 something games, but almost wins rookie of the year for that like because he was so good and just already so developed and then from there on out he's just been like a perennial all-star like he's somebody that we know is going to go out there every night and get 25 and 12 um and i think it's just you know brett brown's coaching system got was under a lot of scrutiny the entire time he was there There there's so many questions about how him and simmons could mesh together but i think under doc rivers and this defensive identity that the sixers have now and just like the shooters around them so that he doesn't have to feel like he needs to take threes. Like I just feel like Maury put together the perfect system for him to like really thrive. But you see, the thing is we didn't know he was going to get 25 and 12. We knew he could get 25 and 12. It was just whether or not he was going to try hard enough to get 25 and 12. Yeah. And Brett Brown never lit that fire under his ass. Doc Rivers puts the heat on him, surrounds him with shooters like you just mentioned. So he's no longer fucking suffocated in the paint, has some room to operate and, they're deadly. Like I think the thing with them going against Brooklyn, because I want to talk, think about everything contextualized against Brooklyn, because I I think you think they're the favorites now is 
DeAndre is a good big. He is. But once he gets in foul trouble, because you're going to get in foul trouble guarding JoJo in the playoffs, who's the backup? Who's going to come in and guard Embiid? And even if DeAndre is your primary defender against Embiid, he's not going to stop him. I'm sorry. Like, DeAndre's still got bounce and technique and all that kind of stuff. But to stop Embiid, you need an Anthony Davis, straight up. You need, like, an all-world defender to go at that motherfucker. You need Giannis. That's what you need. Dude, you just need – it's – MB has always had the potential to be a generational talent, and it's just a matter of whether or not he's going to put those pieces together. Um, and I think he's doing it right now. I mean, he's in an MVP conversation. The Sixers, obviously, they had a little skid, but, I mean, Kobe is just fucking everything up for every single team right now for the most part. So, um, I kind of like them against Brooklyn, too, like – just in terms of what they could do defensively, deploying Ben Simmons, who Bias think... is a, Bias is a pretty good defender. Matisse Thibel is a great defender. I agree. Right. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. I mean, Maxi is like the third leading scorer of rookies right now. Um, I just, I just, Seth Curry has been like amazing this season. I mean, I just, dude, I just think that they have a really, really good team that kind of finally got the direction that they need. I mean, getting Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers was a massive upgrade. So it just, I mean, you know, we just haven't seen Brooklyn yet. So it's hard to, we know what they are on paper, but it's so hard to, you know, kind of determine like how they're going to be against each and every team, just because, you know, we're going to see Harden KD, but when does Kyrie come back? All these different things. So, I think to really know what or to finally kind of get like a real idea of who's going to be stronger against them, we need to see Brooklyn at full strength going up against these teams. So, okay, I got the PER numbers. Are you ready for these? Yeah. All right. So, number one is John Morant, but he's only played three games and he's looking at 31.25. Second is Jokic. He's at 30.62. Just to give you some context to how that stacks against him. Um, he would be 19th all time in between James Harden in 2018-19 and Russell Westbrook in 2016-17. Uh, I'm going to give you a guess at number three, but Joel Embiid is number four right now, and he's at 27.98. Uh, I'll give you three guesses at who number three is, and I'll tell you right now, he is not a starter. He's playing 23 minutes a game, um, and he's in the Eastern Conference, but he's not a starter. Huh. Not Tyrus Maxey. <laughs> Okay. He's not a starter? No, he's not. Is he a big man? He is. I'm playing all 21 questions here. Was this team in the playoffs last year? Correct. Is it Taco Fall? It's not Taco Fall, no. Somebody kind of liked Taco Fall. Somebody like with similar hype, not quite there. Yeah, two more guesses. Uh, similar height. Just so you know, he's at a 29.2 PER. Is this an, is this a fun team or is it a boring team? Boring team. Is it in Orlando? No, he's not. <laughs> no, I'll just tell you who it is. All right. So Chris Boucher this season. Oh, Toronto duh. <laughs> Chris Boucher has a, a PR rating equivalent to that of 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the 1977-1978 season and a better PER rating than LeBron James in 2007-2008. Granted, we're only 11 games into Chris Boucher's tenure as the best player for the Raptors, but, I mean, the dude is hooping. (laughs) He really is. I don't want to do a Chris Boucher minute, but shout out Chris Boucher. I just haven't watched the Raptors at all. Yeah, good for you. Don't 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 bother. They're not very good right now. They're, what's the record right now? They're see at, a uh, mid range. They're at three and eight, so they're fourteenth in the East or tied for thirteenth in the East with Washington. Um, all right, so I think those are our two best teams that stack up against Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Milwaukee. Um, if you want to, I mean, we can go through Boston, I guess, but uh, yeah, eh. I don't think it's really necessary. Um, I just think it'd be fun for the beef, just for. It'd be a fun playoff matchup for sure. Just yeah, to see Jason and Jalen really go against those two those two wings. Um, all right, let's talk about the Bulls. Um, so we're going to be doing this weekly. Uh, we'll do it once a week. We're going to do the Windy City Baker Boys Bulls breakdown. If you have any other bees to throw in that, um, please let us know. And we'll put them in there. We're wrapping. We're wrapping. So the Chicago Bulls right now are sitting at four and eight. They're twelfth in the Eastern Conference. They're only a few games out of the playoffs. It's not too bad. Uh, Cleveland and Charlotte are in there, so you expect those guys to drop, and hopefully Chicago to get better. Um, right now, they rank uh, fourth in points per game. Uh, they're averaging about one hundred seventeen points per game, and then when it comes to opposing points per game, not so good. They're second to last. They're giving up one hundred twenty one point six. And then offensive rating, they are 14th. And then defensive rating, they are 28th. Net rating, they are 23rd. Uh, so when we've looked at Chicago this year, we've noticed two things. We've noticed the guards, Kobe and Levine, and then we've noticed Patrick Williams. Those are kind right. of the three standouts. Can we agree? Lowry made his return last night, and he looked good. He looks good. I mean – Stacey King brought it up during the broadcast um, that this season, Lowry, granted, he that was only his fifth appearance of the season. But so far, he's been more aggressive in the paint, and he's been searching for more points in the paint, whether it's kind of like a short fadeaway or driving the hoop instead of settling for threes, which is something that's very um, exciting, I'd say, just because we can kind of see his true potential. Um, it's critical. It's critical it's, because that's that's a way to develop a rhythm. You know, you don't have to make threes on the outside. You can get to the rim and then get to the free throw line, which he did last night. Right. And obviously, I want to still see him hit threes. I mean, so far, it's just, again, it's a small sample size, but he's been nailing threes at almost like five attempts a game. He's shooting like 40-something percent, um, which is obviously what we want. Um, and, you know, this was only like one of the first games of the season where we had the entire starting lineup, and it was really nice to – see Kobe, Zach, Patrick, Lowry, and Wendell out there at the same time, and they were playing really well together because I think it's a really good core. Um, And the problem for the last few years has obviously been injuries and guys being out at different times, but hopefully everyone can stay healthy. I mean, Wendell's played every game this year. Um, So I don't know. I'm just looking forward to seeing these guys get out there and play together. Um, Obviously, last night wasn't great. Um. Walk us through what happened, Jack. So last they, night was um, the Thunder and the Bulls. A game that if you're the Bulls, you got to take. You're, caught, you're on this tough road trip. You play the Lakers, Clippers. You got you have to play the Celtics. You, you got to take the fucking OKC one because you dropped the Sacramento one. I kind of want to get that record getting 
better reflective of your true talents because I don't I think they're a bit of a better team than the record would reflect. Um, but it's just it feels like this team is either losing by twenty, fighting their way back, or they're up by twenty and the other teams fighting their way back. Our problem is not scoring. Obviously, I mean we're fourth in the league, but it comes down to the defense, and there's just like really no defensive identity. The turnovers were brutal last night. There were like 24 turnovers, um, which you just can't have. But I mean, I our issue is I think in the paint. It's so easy to score in the paint against the Bulls. I mean, Wendell is an undersized center. Lowry's never been like a physically aggressive player on defense. They've never been imposing on defense. So, you know, if when it comes time to go up against a guy like Joel Embiid right now, like, good chance we get pooped on. Yep. Um, you just mentioned it. I think they pointed on the broadcast last night, too. And I, I just want to bring this up really quick. They have one of the best local broadcasts. Like, I love the best. those two guys. Stacey King like is Se- unreal. And then I forget the uh, the he's the play 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 or no sorry he's the uh, color analyst but the play by play guy is really good he actually Adam Lamine I think yeah he's awesome um, I like Sacramento hey he's too. he's the new guy Mark Jones and then New York New York has Mike Breen and uh, Clyde or no they have Walt Frazier uh, so that's a good one too but um really quick like you just mentioned it Wendell is a smaller center he is which you would think means he has quick agile feet on the defensive end. And he does to a degree, but it's not, like, astounding by any means. Right. The problem with that is they're putting him in pick-and-roll situations a lot, and he's playing drop coverage. So he's not coming up on the screen and hedging the guard and then getting back, which is what he should do because he is smaller. Instead, he's relying on his length and his ability to block shots by playing a drop coverage, which allows the guard to get around that screen and attack the paint better because he has more room to operate. They need to switch that. Like they just need to have them start hedging these screens immediately. Like I don't want to get too nerdy about it, but that is a huge fault in their stars. Like he needs to understand that I am not a shot blocker. This isn't Duke. This is the NBA, and I'm not going to average two blocks a game probably for the entirety of my career. But I can get active hands on that hedge and mm-hmm. make this game harder for them rather than you know padding statistics, which I don't think is what he's trying to do. I think he's a team no. player. By every sense yeah. of it, I'd like to see him. I mean, I when he does block shots, like the, it looks nice, and he's good at it. I just wish that there'd be less of a focus on trying to get those blocks and more of trying to really deter drives and contest shots and get more rebounds. I really like to see him get more rebounds because there'll be some games we'll get like thirteen boards and then like three and then eight and then four. It's so all over the place, and I'd really like to see the big men pull in more boards so it's not like. Kobe White is like leading the team in rebounds. Yeah. Um, so right now, Zach Levine is third in the league in scoring. Uh, he's at 28.3 points per game. Can you guess the top five? Huh? Can oh, you guess the top, the top five? five scores? Yeah. So number Bradley... one is way ahead. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. He's at 34.9. Second place is at 28.4. Who do you think it is? I really just saw this tweet last night. Is it Dane? Steph. Dana's oh, it is Steph. Steph is like, okay. No, get this. CJ is at number four. CJ McCollum is averaging 27.6. Dame's averaging 26.9. Dude, and then number hooping. five is Luca. Yeah, do you want to talk about Portland? We could touch on them a little bit. I mean, they're 
Nurkic let's, out finish sucks. Let's, let's finish with Chicago first. Yeah, that does suck. Yeah. Broken wrist is tragic. Um, Levine's right, an all-star. So who has been, who has been, yes, Levine is an all-star. At this level, Levine is definitely an all-star. Um, give me, like, who you've been, you know, happy with and then who you've been kind of disappointed with. Like, obviously, I think it's it's natural for you as somebody that's so invested in this team and especially the young players to be like, okay, Kobe's playing great. Patrick's playing well. Uh, Levine's playing awesome. I love what Lowry can do for us, and I love what Wendell can do for us. But when it comes to Otto Porter, Thaddeus Young, and Garrett Temple, the veterans, how do you weigh them against those players, and how do you feel about them? And even, um, who am I blanking on? Sato. Uh, those guys, how do you feel about them compared to your young players? I think Otto Porter's been great. Um, obviously, for the role he's playing, $28 million is a little, is a little steep. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I've honestly been liking them. I mean, I feel like their role has been the shadows roles a little bit less. I mean, he's not really scoring, but he's kind of like a six 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 kind of guy right now. Um, Fad Young, he, he's all right. I mean, it's whatever. Like I, I think he provides leadership with those guys. I think it's more so. I hold Otto above the rest of them just because we know, like, he has been, like, a main guy on a playoff team. And when he's been healthy in Chicago, he's honestly been pretty good. Um, he's an above-average player. He always has been. Right. And then with the at, other at guys. At his position, at least. At his position. I couldn't say. Yeah. With the other guys, I'm kind of just looking at them to, uh, I guess, help with – defense and kind of just providing that experience out there that we can kind of just bolster it when maybe some of the young guys just aren't bringing it in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I've really loved what I've seen from Pat so far. He's starting to get a lot of media hype. Um, just him. I mean, he was a sixth man in college and now, and he played one season. Now he's coming to the NBA as a starter and playing well and taking up these really intense defensive assignments and, Honestly, doing pretty decent for, like, as good as you can do being a 19-year-old in, like, your first 10 games guarding LeBron. He's got um, a great body. I love I love looking at his body on the floor. His jumper's nice, that high arc. Um, But honestly, what I'm really disappointed in is the lack of Daniel Gafford minutes. <laughs> Last night, he was okay. the odd man out. With Lowry coming back in, I think Gafford, it's a small sample size, but you kind of look at his per 36, and he averages like four blocks a game. He's somebody who, since the beginning of last year, I thought should be in the rotation. I thought he was a steal in the draft because um, he's a guy that, I mean, our defense sucks, and he's a guy who I can think would impact on defense, and I know it's tough because trying to get everybody minutes, but maybe, I don't know, Get rid of Thad Young and let Daniel Gafford kind of shine a little bit. Okay, let me give you the Daniel Gafford for 36. I'm looking at him right now. 13.2 points. Pretty decent. Where you're going to lose me is 5.7 rebounds. And Denzel Valentine's averaging 8.3 rebounds per 36. Not great. Um, He's had some nice great passes. Great for Denzel. He does. He, I, I like. I like Denzel a lot. He's you been know, looking. Like so, I mean, it's just like it's. We have so many guys who, I would like to see get minutes, but I mean, it's so hard, you know. Because my biggest complaint last year with Jim Boylan was that he'd play like eighteen players a game. So. Yeah, and now you're like, I miss Chandler Hutchinson. 
Eh. You like Taylor Hutchinson. You're pretty in on him for a while. I what, dude? He's hurt all the time. He like plays for like three games, and then he's gone for six months. I don't know. It's just like <laughs> it, and playing in the NBA is like a hobby for him. It is. Um, back to Otto Porter really quick. He's shooting eighty nine percent from the line. Beautiful. From three, he's shooting forty two. So he's snapping these nets when he gets the opportunities, which he's is good. He's playing well. Um, contrast to Patrick Williams, I like looking at his body. Otto Porter, don't like looking at it so much. He's kind of round. He's kind of got like the chicken nugget ass. You know what I mean? I like round players. <laughs> I do too. I do too. But I've never imagined Otto Porter as my round player, you know? So maybe my That's preconceived true. notion is disturbing his image for me. But like I remember him at Georgetown, he was just like a lean green score machine. But um, mm-hmm. now he's more like, you know, he's got a little chicken nugget to him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're the Bulls. A lot of hope. A lot of hope. Keep that fist pumped. Um, don't give up. That's all I'll say. They're 4-8. and eight. Uh, but let's let's talk about a winning team. Um, let's talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. I think we should just end every pod with Lakers talk. Just look some LeBron talk. Maybe bring back Watch the Throne, since uh, our boy is at the top of the throne right now. Um, yeah, just save them that. for the end. Yeah. Sorry, nobody has to listen to. It. We we'll call it the LeBronianism hour, and we'll just go for an hour on LeBronianism, and then we'll update like our declaration of independence. Um, how are we going to secede as LeBronianists from the rest of the nation? Because we don't need anybody else. We're setting up an autonomous zone in Portland right next to Antifa's. Correct. The LeBronianism <laughs> zone. And we're going to overthrow the government. So that's going to be sick. Um, no laws, no clothes, a lot of LeBron. So much LeBron. And He's a lot of Mountain Dew with his new announced pep, his new Pepsi sponsorship. What the, f- what the fuck is going on? Do I got to become a Pepsi guy? Because as you know, as LeBron uh-huh. in this, we're, we're obliged to follow a brand he chooses. Like, I literally just bought an electric Hummer. And then, you know, I'm a Nike guy for life. <laughs> um, Did you actually buy an electric Hummer? No, I wish. Those things are fucking sick. Um, um, but I don't like, do you like Blaze? <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, I fuck with Blaze hard. I think Blaze, I don't, I must not be getting the right thing or something. I don't know. Dude, you can get whatever you want on it. Any of those kind of pizza places where they're like, hey, put whatever you want on this. I'm like, deal. Like, I'll put literally everything on it. You didn't want to know my order. My, my pizza comes out looking like both a salad and a meat factory. And then there's just a layer of cheese below. Mm. Oh, yeah. Fire. I've had better, like, of those kinds of pizza places, you know, like the pizza subways, essentially, where you can mm-hmm. just go and pick ones. But, I mean, I'll still take place where I can get it. Um, all right, LeBron's averaging 24 points per game, eight rebounds, 7.7 assists, just the traditional LeBron line of, like, you know, year 18 or whatever, not really trying to score much. The Lakers have six players averaging double digits, which is awesome, from Kuzma, KCP, Trez, Schroeder, Davis, and LeBron. Um, and then LeBron's shooting 48.5% from the field, 38.2% from three, which is, I believe, the second best of all time. I'm not sure. Let me check. Um, and then at the line, he's shooting about 73%. So typical LeBron kind of, you know, assist numbers or free throw numbers. Is he your MVP right now? At the present moment? Yeah. No, I'd say Jokic. Okay. As of Give right now. Is it purely the numbers? Because his team isn't doing good enough right now. The team's not doing good enough, but if he can keep this up, like a center point guard, because I do think that the Nuggets will eventually figure it out. Like, I think there's just been so many weird little things this season. I mean, 
teams that were in the bubble for a while. I think that kind of has an effect on you. Um, like even we saw like Donovan Mitchell was a little bit slow to get out the gate. Like, and then everything with COVID, like I'm kind of getting worried that the season's going to get shut down. If I'm being completely honest. Let's not talk about it. This is a happy podcast. I, that makes me so sad that the season's going to get shut down. I will literally, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might kick my mom's dog in the face or something. I'm going to be so sad. No, I, I love you, Remy. You're the best. Um, no, just, yeah. It, 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 right now, him or Embiid, and I also would like to see a big man get it too. So I think that's a little part of it. But I think by the end of the year, when it's all said and done, it'll be like every single year, the Lakers will be number one in the West, and we're all writing pieces about why LeBron's the MVP. So, I mean – He's my future MVP pick. Let's say that. Your MVP right now is Jokic. Yeah. Okay. I will agree with you that right now he is an MVP. We'll go with Jokic. I'll concede that point to you. But they're six and six right now. They're seventh in the West. I think to get the MVP, unless you're that rust, you're averaging the triple double, which Jokic might do. You gotta be like a top three seed to get the MVP. I think you need top three to be MVP. But Denver. You could you, you could do you could make the Westbrook case for Jokic. You could be like this team would be dog shit without him. Like he is the right. focal point of the offense. His usage percentage is absurdly high, especially for his position. Um, he's a great shooter. There really isn't a weakness in his game. You could make that argument for Jokic. Um, he's not going to bring the defensive intensity. That might be where LeBron edges him out a little bit because LeBron's a clamped god. Like I, I think that you could put LeBron on. Jesus himself, and he'd probably hold him to like seven of like fourteen from the field. Which Jesus is, doesn't have per- shit on LeBron. <laughs> he'd be hooping in sandals. He get crossed up. He get dropped, bro. Okay, okay, all right. Then um, <laughs> he's like a he's like a five three. He's like Ke- five three Kevin doing Durant. sandals. <laughs> then Kevin Durant. LeBron would be like, "You're not coming back this time," and then dunk on him. <laughs> LeBron would crucify him. Oh, I can't be saying this kind of stuff. You're gonna have to believe that out. My mom would kill me. Um, <laughs> oh, you just took it to a place I, I can't go. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, all right. So here, let me let me just think about this. Jesus and Elron Hubbard versus LeBron and K. No, Jesus and. MLK against LeBron and Jamie Foxx. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, I think whatever team LeBron's on is probably going to win. But um, oh, I like yeah. the Jamie Foxx makes it national. All right, sorry. Um, those those are fucking weird. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I mean, what were you even talking about? I don't know. Jokic? Yeah, and oh yes, LeBron is my MVP, which eventually. I mean, the Lakers are just obviously we've seen how they've been constructed, been constructed in a way where LeBron and AD don't have to do as much, and we've seen that in their numbers. And yeah, I think it's pretty clear that they've constructed the best team in the NBA. That depth is crazy. Yeah, I mean, I mean the. How what like how much more is there to say about the Lakers this year? Like it's just kind of like yeah, like looks like they're gonna do it again. <laughs> well, what we can do is we can contextualize them against the Nets. So the first thing I always think of is matchups because this is a matchup league. Like if you can match up well against a team, you have a chance to beat them. 
Brooklyn is pretty well matched up against them. Um, I guess, like, everybody's talking about, like, KD's going to have to guard LeBron. Fuck that. I'm putting KD on AD. Like, that makes the most sense to me. I don't think KD's going to be able to guard LeBron. Um, just not physical enough right now at this point. Like, I just, I'm so protective of KD and his body. I th- Maybe I think he's more fragile than he is, but I think KD would probably get bodied. Um, I'd put him against Anthony just because, you know, like we said with putting Giannis on KD, like, it's not often that you can guard Anthony Davis or Giannis and match their frame. Like, that's huge. You got to be able to make sure you can't shoot over the top of you, which you would do to pretty much anybody else on the Nets. Um, and then I'd give LeBron double teams uh, with Harden and then a rotating crew of, like, I don't even know, like, I guess, like, that Nico Claxton kid, whatever, Nick Claxton, mm-hmm. coming in as their back. Like, he's their backup center right now. It's so weird to think about. And then Kyrie, I guess, guard Schroeder. But with the Lakers, the depth. Like, that's, it's when it's gonna, that's what it's going to come down to this year because it came down to that last year, but these players are better. Like, Dennis Schroeder is better than Rondo. Montrezl Harrell yeah. is better than Dwight Howard and Javel McGee. And then Kuzma is getting better. Taylor Horton Tucker is getting better. Caruso, like, I guess that's kind of what the biggest difference is, is this is going to be a steady progression from a championship season they've already achieved as opposed to we have to figure this thing out again. They didn't have to figure this thing out again. They already had the system implemented, and then they just let those players that substituted in for the ones that won the championship take it to another level. So with Brooklyn, they're going to have to have stuff to figure out. They're going to have to figure out adjustments. Who's going to be running point guard, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, who's going to be taking the majority of the shots. Like the first thing that Steph said when he saw that KD was coming to the Thunder was, or to Warriors from the Thunder was, okay, I got to look at exactly how many shots he's taking a game. How many am I taking a game? What about Clay and then Draymond? Okay. Now we can make that fit. That's going to take like three or four weeks and we don't yeah, even know when Kyrie's sure. going to be back. I mean, it's going to be an adjustment, but you know, when you have three guys of that caliber, it's going to work itself out. You know, Miami took, they were like 500 after the first month of the season when they got, when they formed their big three. It takes a little bit, but I really have like, I seriously have like no doubts about it. Like everyone can say what they want. They can make the jokes and the memes, but at the end of the day, this is the most talented team probably ever assembled. Most talented threesome. Plus they got a nice coach. They got a nice coaching staff too. I, I think we should make that thing. I think we should not call them the big three. I think we should just call them the threesome. Mm. It's like my um Brooklyn's my, finest. My my fantasy basketball team name is actually coming to life. Like they literally are no coaches, just vibes at this point. Yeah, like what's Steve Nash gonna say to them that they don't know already? What's Mike D'Antoni going to say to them? He coached Harden for like seven or eight years. Harden knows everything that Mike D'Antoni knows now. I mean, dude, that's so true. I think people underestimate players' basketball intelligence. It's actually insulting. They're like coaches no more. Okay, I'll give you that most coaches, the majority of like, if you're going to weigh who knows more, the coaches are going to win the percentage if you took all 30 of them against the 450 players. But the top of the top, I'm willing to give a large amount of money to the fact that LeBron knows more about basketball than Frank Vogel. Sorry, Frank. I love you. You coach us to a title, but LeBron knows more about basketball than you because he's the best to ever play the sport. Yeah, I mean, these coaches can, like, 
also a lot of some of these coaches are just like former players. And yeah. then, I mean, they're, like, yeah, they're, just, they're, they're, they're better at like the they're better at like drawing up plays and like reviewing film and like scheming. But like at the end of the day, like the, these guys are going on the court and like doing it. Yeah, they're like shooting the ball and like like my dad and playing about, defense. He was talking about how like he remembers Billy Donovan being a sick hooper in college under Rick Pitino, I think at Providence or something like that. I'm like, okay, so he was a sick hooper back in the day. I know some sick hoopers right now. I know like James Harden right now. I know Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Like they know just as much. Like what has Steve Nash learned since retiring more about basketball? Like, does Steve Nash know more about basketball now than he did five years ago when he's more ingrained in the sport? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he, like, he retired and he, like, started following soccer. Like, he always followed soccer, but, like, I think that might have been his first sport, like, over hoops. Like, Katie and Kyrie and Hart have been attached. No coaches, yeah, I think, just vibes. I think, I think a lot of these players just kind of retire and be, like, rich, retired 35-year-olds. That would be pretty sick. Damn. I'm glad Steve Nash is the coach of this team, though. I think if it was, like, Lionel Hollins or something like that, team would be slightly more boring. Just the fact that it's Steve, like, I I saw – it was, yeah, it was in the Nets and Knicks report the other night, and Katie, um, I think he literally just shot over a guard and they forgot to switch like the Knicks did. Like, it was, like, a seven- or eight-inch height discrepancy. Oh, no, what it was was they had a sidelines out-of-bounds play, and Steve called a timeout, and he drew up a play for Kevin. And everybody's like, I think we know who's getting the shot here. You know, no Kyrie or Harden tonight. So Kevin's probably going to take the shot. The Knicks come out and they have two guys, just like one on each side of them. And then they get the Nets get up a different, decent shot with somebody else. And then Katie runs back to the bench and Steve pulls his mask down and he's like laughing at him. He was like, Did they double you? Did they? I told you they double you. It was like a, a cute bro moment more than it was like, This is a coach and this is a player. It was like, Yeah, he's like, Yeah, they doubled me. Steve Nash is just like the cool high school English teacher. He is. <laughs> he's like, we got hey, some guys. work to do today, but you know what? At the end of the day, let's have a great day. No, he's like, you know what? You just want to watch a Coen Brothers movie. I'm like, yeah, coach. Look, guys, I'm be completely honest with you. I'm stoned right now, so we're just going to yeah. kind of relax today. Oh, yeah. We're just going to chillax. That's all it's going to be. Um, yeah, I mean – it's, it's a fun team. I'm so excited to watch them. Um, so your finals prediction would be right now, Nets Lakers. Yeah. Sick. I'll ride the, I'll ride the wave. You know I'll ride the wave. It's These just are hard three to think of anything players. else. It's just so fun. Uh, it's going to be so fun. I need Kyrie back. It's so fun, and I want it to be a seven-game series that goes – the game seven goes, like, triple overtime. I want to just send a message to Kyrie right now. Please come back and play basketball. I know you want to play basketball. You're so good at it. You have so much fun at it. This is the sport you love. The thing about him is, like, I've watched him for, I guess, like, today today would be 11 years, which is just so weird to think that I've been attached to Kyrie for a decade. Um, But, yeah, dude, like, I I miss him a lot. I love watching him play basketball. Um, he was just such a cool young dude coming to Duke. Like he just was so fly, just your typical, like, I'm excited to be here kind of guy. Um, and then the celebrity is really eating at him. Um, he feels a weight on his shoulders and he doesn't know if he's going about it the right way. I don't want to, you know, project anything onto him, but this is how I interpret like, you know, his disappearance essentially. Um, you know, he's, he's a well thought out young dude. Like he's, 
you know, he lost his mother at a young age, so it's just about him and his pops and his sister. So, like, the fact that people were dogging him for going to his sister's birthday party, like, I that's, like, the, the least bad thing that he could do, okay? Like, he's not going to a strip club or anything like that. He's going to see his fucking sister. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, like, if you look at the stuff that he does, like, off the court, I mean, he's doing, yeah, like, a like, lot of good. Months. He donated, exactly. he donated a million and a half dollars to WNBA players who were committing themselves to social justice. He produced a documentary off Rihanna Taylor. He's donated like 200,000 Impossible Burgers to like a Brooklyn food bank. And he's donated like a lot more money to like different causes and social justice and everything that's going on in the country right now. And I think to just kind of like have people be like, oh, well, he's a player, retire. Like, I think that's just kind of wrong. It's not like he's doing like a Dennis Rodman thing where he's disappearing and going to Vegas. Like he's worried about bigger issues in basketball right now like we saw he's in that zoom call with like a new york city i don't remember what the position was but he's like trying to get involved in different things that are important to him and they're saying that like the capital riots and everything that's going on right now in america is really affecting him and you know he's got the platform and the financial ability to you know make his voice heard and do what he wants to see get done so I think that just kind of clowning for this stuff is a little bit cheap. Um, obviously, you know, he's not playing basketball. That's what he signed under contract to do. But at the end of the day, we know who Kyrie is and, like, whatever. I just feel like people should, like, lay off him a little bit. And I think we should assess the situation. Like, he shouldn't be in a rush to get back. I think the first part is get your mind right. Like, we've seen Kevin Love and DeRozan and all these different players come out and speak about it. You got your mind right first before you go out and just put on, like, you know, physical excellence. Like, you're putting so mm-hmm. much pressure on yourself all the time. And they just got James Harden. Like, they're going to be all right, guys. They have James Harden and Kevin Durant right now. Right. So, don't rush him back. Let him take his time. He will come back. I have so much confidence in him, so much faith in him. Just because, like we said, like, dude, like, just watching him fucking break ankles and pull up from, like, 22 feet when he was like 21 years old and then just a smile on his face running back. I miss that Kyrie. I want that Kyrie to come back. Um, I think that's still in him. It's just like, now it's like, he needs to get off social media, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't no, want to no. like, you know, I don't want to prescribe him with anything because he's Kyrie Irving. He's a lot smarter than I am, but um, I'm excited to watch him come back. I'll just say that these three Me are going to be, it's, it's a blessing. Like we've talked about it before. I feel blessed to be alive at the same time as, I can watch Patrick Mahomes play the quarterback position. Like that is, we're so lucky to be able to do that because he's unlike anybody we've ever seen. We can watch LeBron James play. Stephen Curry, like we were, you know, we were like younger guys when Stephen Curry revolutionized the NBA. That's going to make a mark on us forever. Kyrie Mm -hmm. Irving will make a mark on me forever because what he does is art. It's beautiful to watch. I mean, these are going to be guys that, down the road we're going to be like telling our kids about like we witnessed these insane talents and this time in the league that was it's like the golden era of basketball right now dude my kid is not going to read baby einstein or watch baby einstein whatever it is he's going to watch Kyrie put up 57 against the spurs in 2015 i, I tweeted out the other day with just a sad emoji go watch that highlight if you're listening to this podcast go to my twitter feed or go to youtube i don't care and just type in Kyrie. Spurs 57. It's so naughty. One of like the it's like one of the best highlight reels of all time. It is absolute filth. I remember watching that game. I'm like, oh my god, he is so fucking cold. 
Dude, I was like shivering. So good in Cavs jerseys. Oh yeah, it's the navy blues. They're at San Antonio, and yeah, like there's not even Braun highlights on the thing. It's just Kyrie. But like, if you go watch the Braun highlights separately, you're like, that's why these guys were so special together. Um, Kyrie's just one of the uh, most fun players to watch in the league. Simple as that. Period. And James Harden coming to Randar. I don't care. Like, like. I kind of gunned hard in my piece a little bit because he looked really lazy these last few games, but I'm excited. Like everybody's like, Oh, he can't be as good because he's not going to be dribbling as much. That's so fucking asinine. That's stupid. Like he and is he just even... as talented coming around, like, you know, screens and stuff like that. It's just whether or not he wants to do it. And I think he does. I think the, that his main goal is to win a championship. He'll do whatever it takes. And he said that he's like, going to try and rely more on his playmaking abilities because he's surrounded by these two great scores. He's going to average like 15 assists if he decides to be like, yo, maybe the playmaker and also score. It's just going to, it's going to be an insane team to watch. Um, I don't really, I think people are just kind of, it's the perfect scenario for people to hate on it and want to see it fail because of Kyrie right now and the way that Harden had his exit with Houston. But and Kevin Durant's history. <laughs> right. But if you think this team's going to fail, like, you're stupid. Find another sport to watch. You're a fucking yeah. idiot. Yeah. Find another sport you fucking do this. Like, uh, that that's the problem. I don't even want to, like. Sorry the Orlando so... Magic haven't been cutting it out for you the last 12 years, but you need to grow the fuck up. I get so mad when I think about some of the people on NBA Twitter. I think I should delete Twitter. Dude, they're so. It's unhealthy. You just open it. The fraud's path to the Mickey Mouse ring. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wish I was blind. Like it's so brutal. And then there's some other ones. It's like it's like Lajord fraud. It's like this doesn't even make sense. Why are you gunning the two best players ever, dude? It's someone called ADA Disney. Yeah, I'll show dude. you this. It's someone. It's 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 the LeBron. It's LeBron at the fight when they're getting their rings. And they just edited it. So it's him watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. <laughs> That's pretty funny, though. Dude, and it's just NBA Twitter's so weird. Like, it's something like they'll be like, Kelly Oubre, posterized dunk. And then you look in the highlights, like, I want to eat his ass. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? Like, what is going on on NBA Twitter? It's like all these, like, 14 year olds hiding behind like, avatars. And it's like, Joe Ingles fan club parentheses eight and three. And it's so it's the worst. It's ugh. I knew it was bad when I ran into a Peyton Pritchard, uh, like, like the real Peyton Pritchard account. And he had like 1400 followers. It was not the real Peyton Pritchard. Um, there's all these fan accounts. And... It's the worst niche. It's a niche niche. I think it's neat. I say niche, but I could be wrong. Okay. It's the worst niche in NBA history. Like, there's the, that subsection of MB, the NBA's existence, it is hands down the worst. The other one would be like, I don't know, Rip Hamilton's fingernails or something like that. Probably guns in the locker room. Yeah, that's not great. But also, like, protecting neck. Pretty sick. Like, that era, the NBA was listening to way more Wu-Tang Clan. This NBA is like, you know. That area, that era of the NBA is the league will forever try to erase. The mid-2000s, the league wants to forget forever. 
Oh yeah, that wasn't even Wu Tang. I was thinking like the nineties. Oh, you're talking about Gilbert Arenas and Javaris Crittenden, right? Yeah. I don't know why my mine went to nineties. Yeah, that's mid two thousands. So they were listening to like they're just listening to Fifty Cent. Just love you. The game. A lot of the game was being played. Some big crit. Oh yeah. Things are getting <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that era is so filthy. LeBron dragged Sasha Pavlovich, Zadrinal Goskis, Larry Hughes, Drew Gooden, Eric Snow, Daniel Gibson, Daniel Marshall, and Ira Nubel for the finals. Dude, it just looks like a weird era. Like, I was watching Dwight Howard Magic highlights because I think it was like his birthday recently and they popped up on Twitter. So and I was like, this feels like the Mandela effect. Like, watching Dwight Howard out here, like, <laughs> swatting these shots into, like, the fifth row and, like, dunking on everybody and being, like, the main guy on a team. Like, it's just, like, it's so confusing to look at. And being, like, the third player, best player in the league behind LeBron and Kobe. Yeah, it just, like, it It doesn't make sense. Like, like go watch some Nuggets Mellow highlights. <laughs> You're going to be like, what is happening? Mellow has bounce. Like, all, like You know what it is? <laughs> It's because LeBron's been so good for so long and his body hasn't changed that we're like, oh my God, Carmelo and Dwight's body, or I guess Dwight's body hasn't changed too much, but Carmelo's body has changed so much. Like oh, he used yeah. to like have a decent little bounce to him. Well, now you he can, so like, look at his, you can like, look at his stats and be like, what the fuck happened to Carmelo Anthony? He was on the Thunder, and it's like, oh, wait, he got drafted in 2003. <laughs> it's just because guys... LeBron's been so good for so long that everyone just expects these guys to, like, never fall off and it is weird when like the players that you watch when you're young like begin to decline but lebron has just set this weird standard where like he's always there but all these other guys around him are getting old and starting to retire and it's just really confusing i'm trying to see how many players from not the 2003 class we know the only players left from the 2003 class are being brought in mellow but how many players are left from the 2004 class so we had dwight Livingston's out of the league, right? Yeah. yeah. Devin Harris, Josh Childress, Lou Dang, Igadala. Jesus, this is not looking good. This class is kind of stacked. Al Jeff, Josh Smith, J.R. Smith, Igadala, Andres Beadrens, <laughs> Tony Allen, Delonte West, Jameer Nelson, Darrell Wright. Um, yeah, not a lot of people here, folks. Trevor Ariza. Trevor Ariza's still in the league. That's it. God, yeah. The fact that, like, that dude just got that body. Like, it's just a stupid argument at this point. He's the GOAT. Fuck everybody else. He's going to lead. He's going to be the all-time leading scorer. <laughs> I remember watching that game. retire with 30,000-plus points, 10,000-plus rebounds, 10,000-plus assists. I mean, it's not real. It's Someone, like, would just, like, type on NBA.com, editing the website, and was just, like, big number. Like it he's gonna retire with forty. He's gonna retire with forty thousand points and ten thousand rebounds, ten thousand assists. He did confirm yesterday that he will not play to the age of forty-six because his wife will get mad at him. Okay, forty-six. <laughs> we got at least nine years. Oh, nine oh years at max. Oh my god! Sign me up because, like, you know me. Like, I think this this should maybe even be a segment too. Um, who I'm gonna be a free agent NBA fan. Once he um, once he retires, I'm gonna be lost. We've talked Very about how my existential crisis, and the Bulls are my number one candidate right now, just because of locale and you know, I can buy any Billy Donovan. Why not? Just give us another year. I'll give you guys two more years. 
this year or three more years this year next year year after you know i'll give you guys till lebron retires because I, I don't have to make that decision until lebron retires maybe That's i just true. latch myself onto brawny who knows um i just go down the family tree and then i go down to bryce and i follow bryce overseas <laughs> 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 all right uh that'll do us today that'll do it for us today uh we are the front call thank you guys for listening thank you jack for joining me are you gonna watch any football this weekend maybe what? i don't know i don't know not Who's likely there? dude i just all right i think i was talking to my dad about it i just my parents weren't really into football growing up i didn't play it i was just kind of always into basketball and then when I got here, like you guys are like, especially like Dylan and Connor, they're all so obsessed with football. But I, I only have like a very like general idea of how it works. Like once you get into like defensive schemes and like zones, I'm like so lost. And I don't really know that many like random defensive players who like be like, or like linemen that are really good. Like you'll see on Twitter, like, oh, this guy's so good. I'm like, I've never heard of that name in my entire life. So I just get lost, but I'd like to like sit down and watch like red zone because it's just touchdowns. Okay, let me do this test really quick. Let me all right. You tell me yes or no if you know who this player is. Okay. Aaron Donald. Yes. Miles Garrett. Yes. Chase Young. Yeah. Quill Mack. Yes. Von Miller. Yes. Okay, now we dip into the deeper range. Fletcher Cox. Heard the name, don't know what team he plays for. Okay. Vince Wilfork. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know Vince Wilfork. <laughs> All right, good. Um, okay, let's, let's move away from D-line. I'm just doing D-line right now. Let's do wide receivers. Uh, Stephon Diggs. Yep. Devontae Adams. Yep. Julio Jones. Yep. Okay, let's dive deeper here. This is going to be a good one. Paris Campbell. Oh, you're deep in digging deep in that memory what bank. What team is he on? Oh, wait, he's on he is on the Colts. Yep. That was pretty deep. I just want to see that was like a trick question because he's on the Colts. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you still consider like if the like if Andrew Luck didn't retire, would you still be a Colts fan? I think I would have been more invested in it. Yeah. I was actually really excited for that year because I mean I went to Colts Chiefs playoff game in Kansas City like I was excited about it and we had like a ton of cap room going into that season and everything just kind of looked like it was shaping up well like they finally got a line it was shaping up well and then he just retired and I was like well that fucking sucks like there goes my first <laughs> player in the NFL thought I was gonna get at least a few more years so I just kind of like that happened and yeah I just my interest kind of just like slowly dwindled I still like yeah. to enjoy. I still enjoy watching it. Like I'm obviously gonna watch the Super Bowl. Um, I'd say watch watch Buffalo Baltimore tonight. You'll have a lot of fun watching it. Like Lamar against Josh Allen. Like those are two fun quarterbacks. I do like. Watch, like I like them. I like the mobile quarterbacks a lot. And pretty much everyone that's left, except for tomorrow night, it'll be the um, Tampa Bay and New Orleans. But um, you know, you got Baker going against Mahomes when they played against each other in college. <laughs> Mahomes threw for like oh, yeah. 780 yards. That's true. I just – yeah, I, there are, like, players, like, I like, and I see their highlights, and I, like, enjoy watching it. Like, I have a lot of fun seeing it. It's yeah. just a ma- – I just don't ever really, like, sit down and put it on myself. Like, it has to be put on by somebody else, and I'll watch it and enjoy it. Okay. All right. 
Um, all right. Well, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Watch. Yeah. Watch Baltimore and Buffalo tonight. Um, all right. That's us signing off. Peace out. Thank you for listening. We love you. Visit burbsynt.com for more stuff. We'll be posting these every week. Um, so yeah, let's kick it. Oh yeah.